0: They've gone from taking an excellent device and they've made it even better. It's had a redesign inside and out. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennec. Tech Guide, episode 216. Hello and welcome to the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. Thanks for listening once again. Thanks for downloading. And first-time listeners, we're glad you found us and we hope you enjoy the show. My name is Stephen Fennec. I'm the editor of techguide.com. Dot au. On this week's show, Apple has unveiled the new iPhone 7 and we take a look at the new features and answer all the questions you have about the device and we'll also talk about the two new PlayStation 4 consoles coming our way. In the Tech Guide interview, we chat to Netgear CEO Patrick Lowe about the company's new Orbi system and the state of Australia's internet plan with the NBN. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to run our eye over the Dyson V8 cordless vac and the smorgasbord Savende that can organize and charge your devices. And we'll wrap it up, as we always do, with the Tech Guide Help Desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi Fi products, and also Norton, the company to help keep you and your family safe online. Lots to talk about on the Tech Guide Podcast. Well, Apple have unveiled the iPhone 7. It was last Thursday morning in Australia. It was 3 a.m. was uh, the, the launch time. Uh, Australian. Uh, that's uh, Eastern Standard Time here in Australia. And there weren't too many surprises with what we saw. We, we did predict the an improved camera, and we were right. We predicted no headphone jack, and we were right. Slightly tweaked design. We were correct once again. So not too many surprises, but I have to say it still has exceeded my expectations. That, that, that's a, a compliment, I think, to to the device. There, I haven't haven't got my hands on it yet. I'm expecting it any minute now, but I, I'm st- it's still better than I expected it to be from from what we were shown at the presentation. Now the design. It hasn't had that much of a change. It is slightly thinner. Apple never made a big deal about the dimensions of the device because I don't think it's too much thinner. I think it's like 0.2 of a millimeter thinner than the iPhone 6S. But uh, we'll, we'll investigate that once we get the device in our hands. What they did unveil, though, was a new color, and it seems to have captured everyone's imagination, this new high-gloss Jet Black model. There will also be a regular black as well as your usual silver, gold and rose gold colours. But that Jet Black, it seems to be the one that's been the most popular in the pre-orders, which started late last week, and uh, is sure to be popular among the people lining up outside stores on Friday the 16th of September. That's this Friday. So it will be available in stores then. Let's take a look at the new features on, on the device, the first being the updated Home button. This was one of the things that we did in our uh, our rumor roundup this was one of the features that we did recognise was going to come onto the device its uh, the home button being changed from being rather being a physical button to more of a force sensitive surface a little bit like the trackpad on the MacBook Pro uh, and MacBook Air. If you happen to have one of those devices, you'll know what I'm talking about. Where the trackpad, even though it may feel like you're pressing it, it's actually not moving a millimetre. There's a little taptic engine underneath to give you the impression. That you've, that you've touched, uh, pressed the button as well. That's, that's how the home button uh, is going to act on the new iPhone 7. Uh, it's also water-resistant. We'll talk more about this in the next segment where I answer uh, all the most popular questions I was asked about the iPhone. Uh, it has got, got an IP67 rating, and again, I'll explain exactly what that means. But finally, the iPhone is water-resistant, not waterproof. There is a difference, water-resistant. It means it can get splashed, it can get dunked, and you're not going to have to run crying to a store to get it fixed. The camera, uh, again, another big update here, and Apple has just gone from strength to strength here. It's uh, got a 12-megapixel resolution with an f1.8 aperture, optical image stabilization across both models, so the 7 and the 7 Plus, OIS, Optical Image Stabilization, was only a feature of the 6S Plus, not on the 6. Now, all iPhones are going to have Optical Image Stabilization as standard. There's also a new Quad LED True Tone Flash. So uh, the the phone itself, the, the camera itself, I should say, it, it performs more than a 100 billion operations in just 25 milliseconds, which is pretty incredible when you think it, it adjusts white balance, color enhancement, focus, all in the space of 25 milliseconds to to bring to you a great-looking photograph. Now, on the 7 Plus, though, the camera has been taken to even greater heights. There are two lenses, still 12-megapixel 12, 12 resolution, but two lenses on board, a wide-angle lens and a telephoto lens to give you two times optical zoom and up to 10 times digital zoom. And with these two lenses, you can also do things like creating depth of field images, similar to what you can create with an SLR. Front-facing camera has also got that 7 megapixel resolution. But I think the camera on the 7 Plus is going to attract a lot of users who weren't really a fan of the larger screen device. It's going to make people think, well, you know what, I'm going to go for it because they want that better camera and thereby going to have a bigger screen to handle as well. Speaking of the screen, Retina HD display has got a a wider colour gamut than the previous model and is also 25% brighter than the iPhone 6S screen as well. On the audio side, there is no headphone jack. We did predict it, we picked it months ago and as predicted, Apple deleted the headphone jack. We're going to talk a bit more about that in the next segment in the question segment. But what the uh, what the audio that is on board uh, can be accessed through the Lightning port. So the included headphones will have a Lightning port, uh, Lightning cord to connect through the Lightning port. There are also, for the first time on an iPhone, stereo speakers. So you can the speakers are placed on the bottom as well as the top of the iPhone. So if you sit the phone on its side, you're going to get that nice stereo separation. So to hear your music or to hear listen to your movie, whatever you happen to be listening to, it will probably be not necessary to connect a Bluetooth speaker because it'll play fine through the iPhone's very own speakers, which is uh, encouraging for those who who always forget to take Bluetooth speakers. I travel a fair bit, and I always forget to pack a pair of little Bluetooth speakers. Now I can just sit the phone on the desk, and it'll sound pretty good. On the performance side, the iPhone 7 has got a new A10 Fusion chip, which means it's twice as fast as the 6S and three times faster in terms of graphics performance. It was always going to be the case. Last year we had the A10 chip, this year, The A9 chip, I should say. This year, A10, and they've added the Fusion on the end as well. So A10 Fusion chip means better performance. On the battery side, Apple is saying that you're going to get a couple of hours more battery life out of the iPhone 7 compared to the iPhone 6S, and you're going to get about an hour more out of the iPhone 7 Plus over the 6S Plus. So more battery, people are going to be happy and that, that's one of the complaints where people has the battery is always the, the issue for people. But good news that they've uh, put uh, more battery power on board and it will last longer. Speaking of more, they've also added more memory. Now, the the configurations now, the capacities are now 32 gigabytes, 128 gig, 256 gig, which means you're getting twice as much memory than we did last year. Last year there was six, 16, uh, 16 64 one twenty eight. Now they've doubled it in every portion to get us, to give us a lot more memory. Pricing we're going to talk about in the next part of the show. But uh, the, the the phone is already available for pre orders and goes on sale September the sixteenth. All the major telcos have also announced their plans for the new device as well for the iPhone seven and seven plus. And I've outlined all of those on uh, on techguide.com.au, as well as my rundown about the phone itself. Uh, but all those plans, everything that we just spoke about, you can read at techguide.com.au. But now, on to the questions. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. Okay, you can imagine that a lot of people were really interested in the iPhone 7, that they wanted to know more about it, they, they, uh, they read my stories, but still I got a lot of emails, a lot of people tweeting me and on my Facebook page were asking questions about various aspects of the device. And what we did, uh, I took I took the top ten questions I was asked, and I and I answered them in a, in a story on Tech Guide, and I'm going to go through them right now. The first question is about uh, the iPhone's water resistant uh, rating. Uh, a lot of people have asked me, look, it's water resistant, but what does that mean? Can I can I take it for a swim? One reader asked me. Well, the answer to that is not really. Now, to explain to you what water-resistant is, we needed to look at the IP rating. Now, IP is short for ingress protection, so stuff can't get in the phone. That's what ingress is called, and protection means protecting from stuff getting in the phone. Is basically the IP rating. Now, the two numbers there, uh, in this case, it's IP67. So the first number is a 6, and that's the dust rating. And by six, it means it's protected from the entry of any dust. The second number is the water rating, which means the device, a seven rating means the iPhone can be immersed in up to a meter of fresh water for up to 30 minutes. So basically what this means is that if you spill water on the iPhone, if you drop it in the toilet, if you drop it in a glass of of water, it's going to be okay. Pull it out, dry it off, you're good to go. The, the IP on other devices like the Samsung, the, the Galaxy S7, S7 Edge, uh, the Note 7, as well as the Sony Xperia devices, they have a slightly better rating at, a, at an IP68 rating. So in terms of dust protection, both 6s with the iPhone, these other products, they're the same. But the IP, the 68, so the second number, the 8 water resistance of the Samsung and Sony products means that they can go half a metre deeper in fresh water than the iPhone 7. iPhone 7 can go down a metre. The other devices, the Samsungs and Sonys, can go down 1.5 metres, but for the same 30 minutes. Now, you've got to remember that uh, the iPhone wasn't the only product that was announced. There was also the new Apple Watch Series 2, and this is a device you can swim with. So, yes, you can. You can't swim with the iPhone 7, not recommended, because you go deeper than a meter, and if you're not in fresh water, you're in all sorts of trouble. So, it can handle the odd spill and splash, but don't take it for a swim. The Apple Watch Series 2, on the other hand, can go for a swim. It's rated water resistant to a depth of 50 meters, so you can swim in a pool or in the ocean. But don't do things like scuba diving or water skiing because that involves high velocity water. This was written in the fine print of the uh, of the of the device. So this is what Apple are saying. But of course, you can swim with the Apple Watch. There are even there's a new feature in the fitness app that lets you track your stroke, what type of stroke you're doing, and count your calories and all those sorts of things. So, go for your life in the water with the Apple Watch Series Two, uh, with the Apple, with the iPhone. Uh, if you spill water on it or dunk it, uh, you're going to be okay. Now, moving along to probably the most controversial part of the iPhone Seven will not. It's controversial because it's not there. It's the the thing that's had the most attention about the about the iPhone is not what was added, but what was taken away. And in this case, we're talking about the headphone jack. Now, it was predicted months ago that that Apple would do this, that the the headphone jack was going to go, and it, it it is really keeping up with with the times. There there, are all the major audio companies are releasing their products as wireless devices so you can connect via Bluetooth uh, and 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 that's the way people are mainly listening now. But what Apple has done though they've included of course an adapter in the box so that you can listen if you do have an old cable pair of headphones or earphones you can still plug your 3.5 mm cord into the adapter into the lightning port and away you go. Well that brings us to the other problem what do I do? if you want to charge my phone and listen to my lightning headphones at the same time? Well, you can't without an adapter. And Belkin have come along with their new Rockstar adapter, the Charge Plus Audio Rockstar, which allows you to connect one end into the lightning port, and the other part of the adapter has two lightning ports, one for charging, one for audio. So there are still easily, there are easy ways to listen to your music uh, on your device and we, we, the earphones in the in the box are also Lightning earphones, so they can be connected directly. But just on that, there's been a lot of people, a lot of people, really upset that they've got rid of the headphone jack. And look, personally, I think that I'm I'm not going to miss it. I, I, I very rarely use corded headphones. I'm I'm always listening wirelessly, whether it's headphones or earphones. Uh, but the The quality is there with Bluetooth the accord quality' is there. Bluetooth 4.0 offers the same if not better quality than listening with a cable. But even the lightning port has a faster digital connection and could technically provide better fidelity than a normal pair of headphones. A lot of people don't understand that the the headphone jack actually was the the, the digital-to-analog converter of the device as well. Now that's been taken away, the headphone now provides that digital conversion as well as the amplification. The quality is determined by the the source, the digital source, and the quality of, of the connection. There's many factors, but you can argue, and I've, I've reviewed a couple of, uh, of lightning earphones, you can argue that they sound a little bit better than normal headphones. But audio being such a subjective thing, not everyone's going to agree, but put it this way, it's no worse than the headphone jack anyway. Moving along in our questions, the other other things were asked, well, were, were the, the AirPods were the new devices that were also unveiled, they're wireless earphones. And these are two, they look like the earbuds that you get now, but with the cords cut off, so they're wireless. There's no cable connecting them. And the thing that people asked was, look, these are great, but what if I lose one? They're all terrified that, yeah, I'd love to get them, but if I lose one, what do I do? Well, we can confirm that Apple will sell single AirPods in the event that you do accidentally lose one. So, the, the price for the AirPod is 229 bucks for the pair, and that includes a charging case. So, uh, but there's no price for the single AirPod, which, of course, will be less than 229 And on the price, too, a lot of people thought, geez, how does that compare to other wireless earphones? Well, in fact, it, it compares... Really well. It's actually cheaper than rival devices, and I'll take you through a couple now. Samsung's Gear Icon X. These are their wire-free earbuds. Also come with a charging case. These are also a fitness tracker, so they can. Uh, they've also got onboard memory, so they've got fitness tracker onboard memory. Can measure your heart rate all without your smartphone and without a cable connecting them. They're $279 compared to Apple's AirPods, which are $229. Jabra also are releasing the Elite Sports. They're also wire-free earbuds, also fitness trackers, and they're going to be priced. They're priced in the US as $250. That's US dollars, which works out at $320 Aussie dollars. Not confirmed yet, but we should see them in the next month or so. But even wireless earphones are more expensive. Like if you look at the the earphones from Bose, their SoundSport are $249. Bose SoundSport Pulse are 299 The Jaybird Freedom Buds, which we spoke about last week, are 249 All of those products we just mentioned are more expensive than the AirPods. What about pricing? There's been a lot of talk about how the pricing compares. You know, there's been stories, and I was quoted in a story in the Fairfax Press about how Apple's, iPhone pricing compares to the US and the way that the way that they did it in the in the Fairfax story was they took the GST off the uh, iPhone which is 10% of the price and compared it to US pricing without sales tax which could be as little as 8% in various states and they found that there was like a 12 or 15% disparity but if you look at it keep the GST on the on the price and add the sales tax and then compare it. My calculations was that we're paying maybe 40 or 50 bucks more than they are in the US. So not not too not too bad in that regard. But what you have to remember, and if you compare the prices from last year, the price of the iPhone 7 and the iPhone 6S are the same. One $1,079. 1229 1379 Pre- Precisely the same pricing for the iPhone 7 and the iPhone 6S, 4.7-inch model. But you have to remember, what are you getting for that same price? Double the memory. So you're getting 32 gig instead of 16, 128 instead of 64, and, and 256 instead of 128. Now, if you want to compare them even further you check out the only common product between last year's model and this year's model in terms of memory capacity is the 128-gig model. Now, if you look at the 128-gig model, the iPhone, the, if you take a look at the iPhone 7 128-gig model, it's $1,229. That's actually $150 cheaper than the iPhone 6S 128-gigabyte model when it was released last year. So you are actually getting a cheaper phone for the iPhone seven when you compare like for like one twenty eight to last year's one twenty eight. Same deal with the the seven plus. The only difference with this year's models, the seven plus models are forty dollars more expensive in at every stage. And don't forget, you are getting double the memory. So forty bucks, you are getting double the the memory that you had on last year's model. And again, if you do the comparison, the 128 gig iPhone Plus models, the iPhone 7 Plus 128 gig is 1,419, and that's actually 110 dollars cheaper than the iPhone 6 Plus 128 gig model from a year ago. So, if you, if you want to argue pricing, Apple have actually brought, brought out a product that is technically cheaper in in one of those memory capacities. Now, the other uh, item we uh, wanted to mention, too, was the design of the phone. People are asking, why is the iPhone 7 design almost identical to the iPhone 6S? What happens traditionally with with Apple products, with iPhone products in particular, is whenever there's a new number, the design changes. So when we went from the the iPhone 5S to the 6, the 6 had a different design. When we went from the 6 to the 6S, design stayed the same, and there were new internal features. In this case, the iPhone 7, we expected a totally different design and only got a slightly tweaked design, more like an S design. So not not almost the same, a little bit different, but pretty much if you put them next to each other, you couldn't tell a hell of a lot of difference. Now, we've got a theory behind this, or I've got a theory behind this, as to why there wasn't a bigger design change. This is the reason. This is my theory. Next year, 2017, will be the 10th anniversary of the iPhone. Can you believe that? So 2007 was when the first iPhone appeared. It wasn't released in Australia, but was a massive hit in the US and in Europe. So in the US, next year anyway, will be 10 years since the iPhone was born. And my prediction is that they'll, Apple will have a new design for the 10th anniversary. And it might not even be called the iPhone 8 or 7S, whatever they're going to call it. They might even give it its own name, like the iPhone Pro or the iPhone Elite or some, some name that they're going to give it to mark the 10th anniversary of the iPhone. That's my my theory and I uh, will will know in 12 months if I'm right. If you want to read more about those questions or anything about the iPhone, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Now, Sony has come along and made a little announcement that we are getting two new PlayStation consoles. We're going to get the PlayStation Pro, and a slimmer, lighter PlayStation 4 as well. PlayStation 4 Pro will be the high-end model, so have a better processor, improved graphics. First time Sony has in the middle of a a platform's life cycle. First time that they've created a more powerful version. It'll also be, be able to stream 4K content. Strangely, it won't be able to play 4K discs. In the past, Sony has always been a supporter of... Of, of new formats including blu-ray you remember when the playstation 3 came out it, it, at one point it was the highest selling blu-ray player in the world now you can stream 4k but can't play 4k disc short which i find really strange the xbox one s its main rival does have 4k disc playback and uh, will be slightly cheaper so you're kind of getting more for less PlayStation Four will also the PlayStation Four Pro will also support HDR. That's high dynamic range. So if you've got one of the latest TVs, you're going to see a much better picture. The PlayStation Pro is going to be launched on November the 10th. It's going to be 559.95. The slimmer, lighter PlayStation will be available in two capacities: 500 gig and a one 500 gigabytes and one terabyte. The 500 gig is going to be released this week, September 16, 439.95. The one terabyte will be available on the 29th of September, 509.95. It's basically the same PlayStation, but it's 30% uh, smaller, 25% lighter, and reduced power consumption by up to 34%. Uh, it will also be able to support HDR. So if you've got a HDR TV, you'll be able to see HDR content. Uh, but it will not play 4K, but it'll it'll look terrific in full HD. The new PlayStation's coming soon, and I'm sure a lot of gamers are going to be very excited, especially since we're going to be seeing PlayStation VR in the next couple of months as well. So looking forward to that. If you want to read more about those stories, you can check them out at techguide.com.au. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. While public Wi-Fi at airports, hotels and cafes is convenient, it's not always safe. Did you know that accessing the web using public Wi-Fi can expose your most sensitive information, things like passwords, photos, and credit card details to hackers and identity thieves? Well, Norton Wi-Fi Privacy helps encrypt your information when you're online, so it can't be intercepted by prying eyes. So whether you're worried about hackers stealing your passwords or companies tracking your online activity, keep your personal information protected with the new Norton Wi-Fi Privacy app. To learn more, Visit au.Norton.com or search for Norton Wi-Fi Privacy on the App Store or Google Play Store. Tech guide now. A tech guide interview. Tech guide. Our tech guide interview is with Netgear CEO and Netgear being one of our sponsors of our program. We welcome the Netgear CEO, he's a regular visitor to Australia. Patrick Lowe joined us on the show. Patrick's been on the show a couple of times before, and I thought it was a great opportunity to ask him about the company's new Orbi system. That's the new Wi-Fi system we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, as well as the state of affairs and his opinion on what the internet's going to look like in Australia by the time the NBN rollout is completed in 2020. Here's what he had to say when we caught up with him earlier. Well, welcome back to Sydney, Patrick. Great to see you again. Good to see you, Stephen. And great to have you on the podcast once again. Well, there's plenty happening in, in your industry. There's never a dull moment. That's true. I want to start off with uh, talking about Orbi. That, yes. That's a really interesting new product that's going to really tick the box for a lot of customers who every second question I get on the radio is, how do I get the internet into my bedroom and into my backyard? But this has now solved the problem, hasn't it?
1: That's exactly right. What we have found out is over the last two or three years, there are many, many more people actually doing streaming videos and um, basically watching online contents outside of their premise, in the backyard, sometimes in the driveway, in the garage, or in the basement. Mm-hmm. And, um, and unfortunately, you know, in those areas, the Wi-Fi signals has weakened. So even though they're getting 100 megabit coming into the house, and even though they're within 10, 20 feet or just one, one, two two walls away from the router then they will be able to get that 400 megabit. But once they get in the basement, in the backyard, next to the pool, or in the front yard, it drops down to 5 megabits per second. Mm-hmm. And certainly, that's not a very good experience. And uh, furthermore, there are more and more Wi-Fi connected devices inside the house, you know, such as door locks, and sensors, and all that. And they need good Wi-Fi coverage. So the need is there is to provide what we call always a whole-home Wi-Fi coverage, mm-hmm. including the front yard, the backyard, the driveway, the, the basement, and the attic. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we looked at it multiple times, and the only way to deliver that is really a home mesh network. Yeah. And uh, now, it is certainly a derivative of the mesh network for the business enterprise. Yeah. But you cannot make it as complicated, all right? Exactly, So, so you have to make it so simple to install. Yeah so simple to set up mm-hmm. and so you don't have to take ethernet cables you know link up all all, all the access points you can't not even call it access point yep. you cannot have to ask people to configure it like a controller i mean that has yeah. to all go away and what i like it doesn't even look like a router or a motor it looks totally it looks like it could it looks like a vase even you can sit in the middle of your house that's exactly it we we also tested the um, the industrial design the placement um, and uh, we, we we test out the traditional enterprise like an access point. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no one wants area antennas <laughs> no, and flashing ex- lights. Exactly. In Nobody likes that. Okay.
1: So and then we also look at you know uh, the configurations some of our competitors are doing is in order f- to facilitate a much better communication between what we call the various access points. Now mm-hmm. we call them satellites rather yes. than access points. <laughs> then they require line of sight. But come on, who understands what is line of sight? And even if you do, it's pretty difficult to do Absolutely. it. So that's why we, we changed the whole thing and we finally settled on two pieces of the technology which makes what we are doing possible. Mm-hmm. One is the multiple stream, multiple internal antenna technology that we call four by four. Yep. So that, that really enable the reach. Then the second one is a tri-band technology. So most of the wireless routers access point provides dual band so that it would communicate with your clients either on the 5 gigahertz or 2.4 gigahertz, Mm -hmm. depending on your clients whether it's old or new client. Um, Now, there is a hitch on that. Unless you string ethernet cables between the satellites, how are you gonna communicate between the satellites among the satellites? Mm -hmm. So most of our competitors say, okay, that's easy. We could timeshare. You know, we could timeshare one of the band, either the 5 gigahertz band or the mm-hmm. 2.4 gigahertz band. The problem is the 5 gigahertz band is fast, but the distance mm-hmm. is not as good. The, the wall penetration okay. capability is good. The 2.4 gigahertz is good for penetration, but the speed is not fast enough. And if you have to <laughs> share it between communicating among the access point and with the client, it's not going to work. So it's always a compromised solution. Mm-hmm. So that's why we, we because we're the expert on the technology called tri-band. You remember we introduced yes. the first tri-band router two yeah. years ago? So we said, hey, we can lay it on top of that
0: mm-hmm. with an
1: extra band, yes. right? With that four by four radio. So it serves as a dedicated conduit of communication between, among the access points, mm-hmm. as well as to have the wall penetrating capabilities with the four by four. Yeah. So now, then we come up with the industry's first tri-band 4x4 home mesh network Mm -hmm. that we have tested with many, many beta users around the world that we could work in multi-story dwellings like a three-story concrete house Mm -hmm. um, with with two access points or with one base, one satellite, Mm -hmm. we could cover T- you know, a house typically between 2,005 to 3,000 square feet. Sure. And also cover, you know, the outside as well. well as well, that's well. people use the internet right. now, aren't they? So total the up to total a is, f- you know, uh, the house property area of anywhere between five to seven thousand mm-hmm. square feet. Yep. Very well. Mm-hmm. All right. And we 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 see speeds north of 100 megabits mm-hmm. as long as you have 100 megabits coming into the Absolutely. house. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What, what I like about the product, as
1: I said, it doesn't look like a router. Right. So is, how, how is this gonna be marketed to the
0: customers? Is, is, the customer just wants it to work. They oh, just right. want it to connect, work, watch Netflix, whatever they wanna do. Exactly.
1: exactly, so basically what, we, what we're what we trying to market to the customers is, we call it a the world's first whole home Wi-Fi system, mm-hmm. all right? So it involves multiple units. And then we basically say if you have a house less than 2,500 square feet, buy a two unit system. Mm-hmm. If you have a house bigger than that, up to 5,000 square feet, buy the three unit system. Yeah. So that's how we mm-hmm. tell customers. So now how do you place the unit? Now if you have a two unit system, that's pretty easy, right? One, right next to your existing router. Mm-hmm. Yep. Then the other one, put it right in the middle of the house. Mm-hmm. If You have a three story house, put it on the second floor, right in the middle yeah. of the second floor. If you have only a one story house, in the basement, put it right in the middle of the first floor. I mean that's pretty much you yeah. know what we tell so okay. most customers understand that. Yeah. And that's the easy way to, to install it. Okay. And uh because it works with the existing router, you plug yeah. straight in, it's pretty easy, you don't have to touch yeah. it. And once you plug it in, you turn the apps on on the on the on your phone, you download our app and then yeah. a few strokes, up and running.
0: Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about the, uh, the, the, the state of our internet in Australia. The NBN rollout's happening, as you know. Yes. They're saying it's going to be completed by 2020.
1: Yes. The fact of the matter is, the most expensive piece of our fiber networks is the last 10 meters
0: mm. to the premises. Yeah, to inside yeah. your house, right?
1: Yes. So, uh, you know, 5G technology is coming
0: yeah.
1: in about a year and a half to two years' time at the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 5G technology could deliver wirelessly. You know, yeah. into your house, um, with multi-gigabit so capability
0: by, by, by 2020, which is the estimated completion of the NBN. Five right. G is going to be is here a, and faster. Yeah, fast. that's right. Yeah, it will so, be faster
1: than fiber and is much cheaper to deploy. Uh, but anyway, it doesn't matter because the ultimate aim is to provide multi-gigabit internet connection into every single home, yeah. and that would drastically change. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, upgrade the quality of life of everybody. Yeah. Right? From then on, I mean, you really could have 100 internet-connected smart devices in the house. 100? Yeah, oh, absolutely.
0: I'm close to that at my place now. <laughs> right,
1: yeah, That's but it's you right? Yeah. it's you, right? It's <laughs> you. Thanks for talking to us today, Patrick. Thank you, Stephen. Tech Guide. Now,
0: a Tech Guide review with Stephen Finney. Our Tech Guide review, we're going to kick it off with Dyson's new V8 cordless vac. Now, V8 might sound like a car. uh, the, The letters and the numbers might sound like a car, but the volume level of this is nowhere near the volume of a car. In fact, that's one of the features that we quite liked about it was how quiet the V8 is. Compared to the V6, of course, V6 was a very popular product, was released only 18 months ago, but Dyson has managed to improve it Across the board, so the V8 is going to be available in two models: the Animal, which is 749, and the V8 Absolute, which is 849. V8 Absolute can, uh, includes absolutely everything, including the two heads and all the attachments. The V8 Animal, of course, is, uh, tells customers that, yes, if you've got a, a dog or a cat, this can vacuum up the fur quite easily. I've got two Dalmatians, and uh, this cut through uh, all of that uh, work, vacuumed up all their loose hair really quickly and really easily. Now, design-wise, there's been some subtle changes. Uh, there's a larger bin, so there's less, time, less times you need to empty it. There's also a larger battery, which means that you can vacuum longer. Uh, even when it's on the max mode too, which the max mode is now located on top of the V8. Uh, It was on the back of the V6. It was a button you had to press, but now you simply slide across to max and you can enjoy that maximum power for longer. Uh, speaking of the power for longer, that requires a larger battery, and you're going to almost get twice as much uh, cleaning time, up to forty minutes. Uh, when you're in the normal mode, go hit head, head over to max mode. That's going to come down to about twenty-five to thirty minutes. I know here at my place, uh, one charge of the V6 wouldn't be able, wouldn't allow me to clean all of the area that I needed to vacuum. So I had to recharge it and finish it. But the V8 with its bigger battery, uh, allowed me to finish all of, the, all of the cleaning in one go without having to uh, go back for a recharge. So that large battery helps. There's a 3LED indicator so you know exactly your battery level uh, before it's too late on the old model. Uh, once you were out, you were out. But at least with the V8, you can see when you were getting low uh, and you can just make sure you can sort of judge where, how much more you needed to do before your battery ran out. Now, the uh, the device itself, the, the bin I mentioned, is larger. And what happens now to, to open the bin, there's a latch at the top of the product. So you basically lift it up. And what that does is lift up the motor and a silicon sleeve then slides down the barrel and pushes all the dirt out for, to, through the open door into the bin. Uh, so it, it, it rather than having to seeing dirt caught up at the top of the filter, uh, it did push all the all the dirt down sim- in a similar way that it did with the new ball, the ball vacuum cleaner that was released earlier this year as well. Uh, you know the, the the power has improved. This this, this V eight model has got a four four twenty five watts. The V six ran at three fifty watts. So you can see the improvement there. You can actually see the carpet lifting uh, in the areas uh, where we are vacuuming because the suction is has now a lot more, a lot stronger. Uh, the the uh, the uh, the quiet the, the volume of the of the device i mentioned at the start there it's a lot quieter it's 50% quieter as a matter of fact and the best way for me to test that is whenever i whenever i was vacuuming earlier and my kids or anyone was home they'd always ask me something and i'd usually have to turn off the vacuum cleaner to answer the question now with the V8 I've noticed I can continue vacuuming hear the question and answer the question without having to turn the vacuum cleaner off that's how much uh, how much quieter it is from last year's model the the heads have also been uh, improved as well the direct drive cleaner head has got a little motor inside the brush bar and that really gets through the carpets really well. The soft roller heads, which comes with the Dyson V8 Absolute, can also remove debris really easily from your hard floors. So if you've got dust and dirt on hard floors, this will absolutely carve through it. The Dyson vacuums, look, they're not the cheapest vacuums, but I, they are so much better than the Opposition that you are paying for quality. It's miles ahead of its competitors. The V8 Absolute, 849 The V8 Animal, 749 Yes, they, I said as I said, they are slightly more expensive, you, but you do get what you pay for, a much, much better cordless vac. You want to read our full review? You can check it out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide, this is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. The other product we wanted to talk about this week was uh, an organiser, a device that can uh, organise your stuff, your gadgets, uh, place them uh, perhaps by your bedside uh, and charge them all at the same time. It's called the Smorgasbord Savende. Now this is a device that's made of bamboo. So there's two interlocking bamboo panels that once they're connected, it forms a nice little stand that's angled up at the right, right angles for you to easily read your phone if you're using it on your bedside table as an alarm clock, for example. There's a space maybe to put your wallet or your purse or other, your other keys and things like that. There's also a portion where you can actually hang your wearable products, whether it's a fitness tracker or a smartwatch there's even space for your glasses, your sunglasses. So it's a nice little organizer for you to put your stuff, but not only for you to store your stuff, but also charge your stuff as well, because it comes with a charging brick that sits behind the device. There's a little space for the product, for for the charging brick. So then you can then connect your, there's five ports on it. So you can connect five different cables, whether it's your iPhone or an Android device, and then Organise them so that while your devices are resting or organised in this space, they can also be charged at the same time. The Savende that I looked at is 28 centimetres wide, 16 centimetres deep, so it's, it's small enough to sit on your bedside table. So if you want to do, put your your watch. Sorry, you, you can have your watch there. You can also have your your phone there, your tablet on it too, if you want. They can all be charged at the same time. If you do use your phone as an alarm clock or your your smartwatch as an alarm clock, they're right there beside you. So uh, a nice little product to help you get organized, priced at $129. So if you do want to get organized and uh, get charged at the same time, you can do that with a smorgasbord, savende. If you want to read more about that and where you can purchase that product, you can check out our story at techguide.com.au. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear, Australia's number one Wi Fi brand. And you can get the fastest speeds available with the new Netgear, Netgear Nighthawk X8. AC 5300 smart Wi-Fi router. It's got speeds of up to 5.3 gigabits per second and tri-band Wi-Fi so you can deliver more Wi-Fi to more devices in your home. The Netgear Nighthawk X8 has four external active antennas plus four internal antennas which amplify your Wi-Fi range. Smart Connect also intelligently selects the fastest Wi-Fi band for every device in your house and with ReadyCloud USB access, you can secure personal access to USB storage from anywhere. Nighthawk X8, it's the next wave in Wi-Fi. To learn more go to netgear.com.au Tech guide. Now, answering all your tech questions the Tech Guide Help Desk Our Tech Guide Help Desk, we're going to give you a little fun, some fun little, uh, some information here for you to play your favorite retro games on your Mac. You Mac owners, you may not realize that your favorite retro games, and I'm talking games like Tetris, Pong, and Snake, among others, are right there on your Mac. You didn't realize that, did you? But I'm going to tell you right now how to access it. First thing you need to do is to go to your max terminal. And you can do this in one of two ways. You either go to your utilities folder and open terminal, you see a little window open up, or you just go to your, you can search for it uh, in, in the spotlight, so the little magnifying glass, type in TER, and you'll probably see terminal, hit return, and you'll see this little window open up, uh, That look and there's a command line inside it. In that terminal window, type Emacs, that's E-M-A-C-S, and hit return. You'll see all these commands appear on the screen and all, all these this wording. And then underneath, you'll see uh, all this, the, underneath all that text, you can then hit the escape key and then the X key, and that will bring you to another command line at the bottom of the screen, which starts with the letters M-X. Now, all you need to do is simply type in the game you want to play. So if you type in Tetris, you are going to play Tetris. Controls are just all the arrows left and right to move your figures left and right. Up and down arrows can move them, then flips them, flips the shape around so you can fit it into your blocks that have already fallen. Now you can do the same thing go through those same steps and type in pong and you're going to see the classic pong game the little the the, the paddles on either side and again you do the same thing and type in snake and you are going to be using you can be playing snake and using the direction keys to guide the snake to pick up all the dots and not hit the edges. So some fun games there and I do have to give a shout out to my brother-in-law Anthony Mcfadden who who he was the one who actually told me, "Did you know you could do this on your Mac and I didn't know?" and I've since followed it up, investigated and written about it on Tech Guide. So if you if you haven't heard all those instructions or understood those instructions, you can read our story at tech takes you through every step there's pictures to help you along the way as well so you too can be playing tetris pong and snake on your mac if you want to read more about that story you can check it out at techguide.com.au and that is the end of our show for this week you can read about everything we've talked about of course at techguide.com.au and if you want to get in touch Email us, info at techguide.com.au. You might want to email us a question or some other clever hints that you've learned on your devices. A special thanks to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also a shout-out to Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. Thanks for listening. It's been great having you with us once again. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.